I actually run away from this obstacle, I'm running away from the best version of myself. And I would, the gap between who I'm capable of being at 80 to 100 years old is going to ever increase further and further if I continue to run away from obstacles in life. What's up everyone, welcome to the Life Livers Academy. I'm Jamie O'Donnell and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people, ideas, mindsets and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams, unlock your potential and live life to the fullest each day. Get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life, having fun and dominating their chosen path. I appreciate you tuning in, now let's get this episode underway. Rightio guys, welcome back to another episode of the Life Livers Academy podcast. Now before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to take a quick moment just to say thanks to everyone who's supported the podcast so far, whether that's sharing it out with your friends on social media, whether that's commenting and engaging, uh, or whether that's leaving a rating and review on the platform that you listen in on. Every little thing that you do really helps us grow the podcast and reach new ears and every little action is really appreciated. So just wanted to take a moment to say thank you as we head into the last stretch of 2020, uh, we've got some big goals to hit we want to reach new ears and get the podcast out as far as we can so if you enjoy this episode as always please share it out leave a rating or review uh, and let's get into it on today's episode i've got a fantastic guest someone i've wanted to talk to for a while now his name is travis jones he is a serial entrepreneur he's the founder of rbt gyms which he's grown from startup through to 16 gyms around australia he is the founder of the fit pro formula where he's coached hundreds of fit pros through to six and seven figure businesses and he is the founder of keystone app uh, he's someone who's got a lot of drive determination passion for what he does uh, he's got a lot of insights into mindset high performance uh, and he's someone i'm really looking forward to having a conversation with so, Travis, thanks so much for giving up your time. Really looking forward to this chat, man. Mate, it is uh, fantastic to be here and on your show, and hopefully we can uh, rock and roll for the episode today. I'm sure we will, man. I'm going to hit you straight away, bro. The first thing that really stands out, um, I've followed you for a, for a while, uh, like a number of years now, and the one thing that really comes through in all your content on social uh, and just the way that you carry yourself, one of the key principles I think that you stand by is discipline. Uh, and... How do you stay so disciplined, man? It's obviously a principle that we all want to um, to have in our lives, but it's something that many people struggle to to hold and to really implement. But it directly determines how far we get with achieving anything. So, can you give me your take on discipline and the importance of it, and more how you've managed to build discipline into your life in the way that you have? Yeah, man. I think discipline comes down to a couple of things, and we I talk to this with my staff even, right? So it's like. Um, it comes first with your identity. It's like how you see yourself. If you see yourself as someone and the stories you tell yourself, if you see yourself as someone who's overweight or someone who can't build a business and you start telling yourself those stories, then it doesn't matter if you tell yourself you're going to rock up every day and, you know, essentially, you know, wake up at 5am and go for that run or wake up and do those sales calls. If you see yourself as a failure or someone who can't follow through with it, you ultimately won't follow through with it. It's the stories you tell yourself before you implement the habit um, is whether you actually do the habit or not. And I think this, if you set yourself up for failure, and this is the other thing, then all of a sudden you go down to this low confidence, low self-worth, and it's a slippery slope from there. So if someone is trying to start to cultivate self-discipline, you know, so many people is like, yeah, you have to take massive action, you know, huge action, the biggest action you can take. And like, that is the opposite of what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can only really ever take massive action, you know, when in a health scenario is if you had a huge health scare, 
right? If you, you had a heart attack and X, Y, Z, or for me, like literally, um, at one point in my business, I had bikies knocking on my door. I had to pay them, <laughs> I had to pay them $20,000 in seven days or they said they were going to shoot me. Um, like I needed to take massive action. That's when I started the coaching business. I, I didn't have 20K and I needed to find 20,000 in seven days. And I started consulting people and, you know, like we sent, sold over $20,000 in coaching up front in seven days. And that was massive action. But if it's life or death, people take massive action because mm. it's literally life or death. So if, if, you know, Joe just wants to get an extra 10 clients and he's procrastinating on his, um, on his sales calls or his lead generation, he'll always procrastinate because he's like putting his goals so high out of his reach and he doesn't even see himself as the identity that can achieve it. Um, instead, we need to start with small, simple steps. So it's like, okay, cool. What is the smallest thing I can start with right now um, and we'll take, you know, the health side of things. Instead of saying, I'm going to go for a run every morning at 5am, just go, I'm going to wake up at 5am, I'm going to put my shoes on and I'm going to mm. walk around the block, right? And all of a sudden, mm. you know, if you just start walking around the block and it's like, I'm going to walk for two minutes, that's it. If I want to keep walking longer, I'll keep walking longer. But my lower limit to actually achieve success is two minutes of walking. And yes, you got to have your shoes laid out, have your alarm not next to your bed so you turn it off, have it like, you know, away from your bed so you actually have to get up and you walk and you do that for the next two weeks. And all of a sudden, you start to increase your self-worth. You start to increase your confidence mm. and you're doing what you said you would do. And all of a sudden, you start to cultivate self-respect. And when we cultivate self-respect, we go, wow, I'm actually doing this. And it's like, cool, now do it for five minutes. Now, if you want to start doing a jog, Start doing a jog. And it's the same in business, man. You don't go, I'm going to build a $10 million company. All of a sudden, it shifts you out of flow into anxiety. So if you look at um, Nihai Michenk C. Nihai, I might have completely threw his um, name out the window then. Uh, but there's a book called Flow, right? So it's like when we look at this, we want to be in flow. We don't want to be anxiety. We don't want the challenge to be too high for our current skill level because all of a sudden that will lead us into procrastination, which shifts us into like essentially out of discipline again and we don't want to be too bored either so we don't want the the challenge to be so low compared to our skill level that we start to procrastinate as well that will lead to being undisciplined so you can't just eat chicken and broccoli because that is so boring that you will just like fall off discipline and you'll go back into um you know essentially eating the stuff you were eating so i think that's the the couple of little things you can do right now and then really understand motivation um, you know, it's like, you know, what's Jim, Jim Ryan say? You have to, motivation is like bathing. You have to do it daily. Yeah. But like, I, I think it comes down to, man, like there's, Pierce Steele wrote a book called The Procrastination Equation. And that is motivation equals value times expectancy over impulsivity times delay. And I think if people can put this into, and he, he does it as an overarching aspect, but when I look at my staff or look at anyone that I coach, I go, okay, cool. What are you actually procrastinating on right now? And they're like, oh, I'm procrastinating on um, the sales calls, right? And I was like, okay, cool. Let's put the sales calls through the motivation equation and see why you are unmotivated or motivated to do the actual task at hand. So, you know, motivation, okay, what's the value placed on the task? Like, what's your mindset? And I was like, oh, you know, the leads are weak. No one's going to answer me anyway. Um, you know, I, I just have to get through it because, you know, you told me I have to do it. I was like, all of a sudden, if you can rank 
value and expectancy one out of 10, if they're like a one or two, it's like, I don't expect to make a call instead of like, I expect to make a sale instead of like a 10, like I'm going to change some lives in the next hour. And the value they place on it because they don't have that worth, they don't have that dream and goals and desire and they haven't gamified it. If they're both one or two out of 10 and we look at that over the, um, the distraction times delay or impulsivity times delay, they've got Instagram up, Facebook up, they've got their door open, people are walking in, they're doing it at a cafe and someone's <laughs> asking for their coffee order. It's like distractions are going through the roof and they're not actually focused at the task at hand. And instead of dialing every 60 seconds, they're dialing every six minutes. So instead of doing 60 calls an hour, they're doing six calls an hour or 10 calls an hour. The, the, the outward, uh, output from it actually then starts to make sure they aren't going to make the sales. And then the delay cycle is so long. It's like, I'm going to make hundred K in the next you know, 90 days. No, it's like, okay, what are you going to do in the next seven days? Yeah. Okay. And all of a sudden if we short down the delay cycle and we start having daily wins and I have two conversations every day. And if I have two conversations every day for seven days, I'm going to get a massage or I'm going to get some form of reward for myself. Yep. And if we can get, those delays and those distractions down and we can get the values and the expectancies high and all of a sudden now I'm motivated for the task. And then if I put in small, simple steps, instead of large, massive action, I'm going to be motivated to do small, simple steps. And now all of a sudden I've cultivated self-respect, discipline, and I mean integrity with my own character traits. Yeah, I love that, man. That's so good. And it's, it just comes back to that simple principle of creating momentum over motivation, doesn't it? It's like once you get that momentum, it's, it's unstoppable. But so often people are paralyzed to the point where they don't get the momentum. And the key point that you said earlier on there it was um, just talking about like when you keep the promises that you make to yourself, you build self-confidence. I've said this quite a lot. And when, when you break the promises, you instantly destroy it. And it's impossible to break promises to yourself consistently and build confidence and build discipline. So I love what you're saying there, man. That's bang on. Dude, I think like, you know, when other people say, when say tell us, yeah, I'm going to rock up and I'm going to rock up at this time and I'm going to go and train with you or do whatever it is, our friends. If they don't show up, okay, and they don't do what they said they're going to do, we get annoyed as them at them as people. It's like, what, don't you value my time? Like, mm. what is wrong with you? Um, but we do this to ourselves every single day. And so our own internal dialogue we have this lack and we don't even realize that we're disrespecting ourselves every single day. And if you don't know what character traits that you live by, and I think this is a crucial thing. It's like, what is my identity? Where's the character traits that make up, up that identity? And then where the behaviors in play that close the gap between where I am to where I want to be as a person. It's like, what are the character traits I'm living mm -hmm. by? Am I living by respect? Am I living by integrity? Am I living by honesty? And all of a sudden, if you can go, these are my six character traits that identify me as a human being, and I am going to live by them. It's like, shit, now, now we've got to, like, I can just need to create a structure. And if I can go, cool, these are the five things I've got to do today, just be integrity and be respect with yourself and actually do the work. Oh, I love it, man. And understanding that, like, for you to get anywhere. So if you're setting goals into the future as well, whether it's in weight loss or business or whatever, that, that destination requires a different version of you to show up. But if you're waiting until then to show up as that person, you never get it right. And so it's about bringing that identity into, like, right now. Like, you can, you can literally write out that new identity or some key character traits as you're talking about there. And you can embody those as of right now. And that's, that's the key because you don't have to have ticked it, but you have to start living into it in the present moment. Otherwise you never fucking embody it. 
Most 100%, man, it's like B times do equals have. So you need to be the person, then do the work and you'll have the result. <laughs> and I think like everyone, everyone just thinks they got to do the work and have the result and they never be the person who actually does the work. So they never get the result. 100%. I reckon that's the biggest thing that I've noticed with like, you know, goal setting such a, um, a popular topic and it's all everyone like, you know, you type into YouTube, there's a thousand different ways to set goals. No one ever fucking talks about setting goals for how you're showing up. <laughs> it's all to-do list stuff. It's like tick stuff off a list, but it's never like how you're going to be, how you're going to interact, how you're going to grow. And that's the stuff that moves you towards the goals. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like, you know, I've taught goal setting for a long time and I've been to a lot of seminars and masterminds where they're teaching goal setting. And it's all, a lot of the time it's like, okay, cool. You want to make a hundred K in the next 90 days. Okay. How many sales calls do you have to do? What type of content do you have to put out? How many leads do you need to get? You know, like, so all of a sudden it's like, like you said, tick, tick, tick. And I was like, wait, let's, let's pull it back a second. Who's the type of person that actually does the content every day? Like, even though when your motivation is low, you develop the athlete's mindset instead of the amateur's mindset and you just show up because it's, it's how you show up on the days you don't want to do the work that mm. actually makes a difference because that's when momentum is slowed or halted or momentum is shifted forward. Mm. And I think that is a crucial thing. It's like, who's the type of guy that actually makes a sale every single day? Who's the type of guy that produces content? Who's the type of guy that serves every single day? Who's the type of guy, guy that, you know, expands stimulus and response and doesn't shift his emotions into a negative state and allows things outside of his control or her control actually impact how they show up on a daily basis. I think if you can understand that, it's like, fuck, ticking off the boxes is the easy thing, mate. But the problem is no one, no one actually ticks off the boxes because they don't embody the person who actually is ticking off the boxes. Nice podcast done. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what about, um, just with your, particularly what you're going through at the moment, obviously you're in Melbourne, you've got all these gyms. Um, you know, it's been a tough period for everyone in business, but particularly for the fitness industry, man, like very vulnerable. One thing that when it, whether it's what's going on right now, whether it's growing a business, whether it's um, getting to that next level in anything, there's with every stride forward that you take, there's an extra element of pressure, right? There's an extra element of responsibility. So as you grow and develop, with that comes pressure and responsibility. How have you uh, grown your capacity to deal with pressure or how do you deal with pressure? Um, I think that the biggest thing is it's understanding you control what you can control, right? And uh, I control my energy. Um, I control the variables that I can control, which is what I do on a daily basis. I've had to shift into much more of a energy management person for my teams because they're more vulnerable with their energy at the moment and their motivation. Like I've been through a lot in my life Mm. and I feel like this COVID thing, man, like, you know, like it really sucks that people are dying. Like, like, you know, on the very far scale of things, like it sucks that, you know, this is impacting those people on that level. It, It sucks. It's impacting the economy. And, you know, like in general, like I think, everyone you know as a business owner the goal is to get out of this and if we get out of this and you don't have a business well you only failed if you don't open a business again because like you know like you just keep going and i was talking to one of my my clients last week and he's he's gone from like 200k to 1.5 million in the last 18 months and he's like i'm afraid 
that I'm going to be that 200K person again. Like what happens if, you know, COVID happens again and I slip back down and I lose my business. I was like, dude, you will never be a 200K person again. Because Don't skill set. Yeah, who you are now, even if it burnt to the ground, like you'll be a $1.5 million person or a $2 million business, $3 million business in half the time. It will take you nine months to get there. And for us, it's like, cool. Like we hit $10 million as a biz, as a fitness business. It took me like eight years or seven years to get there. Um, I learned to make a lot of mistakes along the way. And I was doing other businesses on the side that, that actually, you know, took some, um, <laughs> focus. your energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so it's like for me, man, like if, if the choice is okay, cool. What's rather than looking at top line revenue, making a million, $10 million business again. Um, you know, it's like, okay, cool. What type of revenue in profit will I want to take in to establish the life that I want to live? And I'll always be in the health and fitness industry in some aspect, but if the gym is burnt to the ground, man, like I'll, I will open up gyms again. I will do them in a slightly different model with slightly different um, structures because we've learned every failure. We have, okay, what's the feedback coming in? Mm. How can I take that feedback and how can I push that into the next evolution of me? And you know, I've had so many evolutions over the years from mm -hmm. being the person who couldn't expand that gap between stimulus and response and was frustrated at managers for not doing their jobs um, to the person who now, as best as I can, deploys empathy, deploys some form of self-awareness and emotional intelligence and tries to guide them through allowing them to fail so they can get the feedback and I can continue to take them forward. So, you know, it's not me always micromanaging and holding their hands, but they learn through the process themselves so we can grow as a company. I think, you know, with COVID, everyone's learning. No one's been through this before. So I think for us, it's strengthening, for us, it's strengthening our culture as a company because we're relying on each other even further. So when we come out of this as a business in whatever shape that we do come out of it in, we are a stronger bond and we're a better community who are all driving towards a common purpose, which is to change lives. Yeah, perspective, eh? So important. It's like the, the number one thing. It's, it's that old saying, right? It's either happening uh, for you or to you and it's never happening to you. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, you know, your worst, your best, your worst day is someone else's best day. And I think if we can gather that, it's like, dude, like my, my problems, like whilst it could be, you know, a million dollars in rent deferrals and all the rest that we talked about before, it's like, um, like, but dude, like I have two kids and I got a wife and like I, I got my house and I, I, can train and I have loving relationships like man, like business, like money comes and goes. It travels around the world constantly. I, you know, if I drop this money, I'll just grab the next money. My problems are actually irrelevant. Mm, no, I love it, man. I love your perspective on all of that. Um, and particularly when we're talking off camera, but I, what about fear, bro? Cause like when something like this hits, I think people are, you're talking about that emotional response. And I think state management is such an important thing when you get a, when you can get a grip on state management, understand state management, uh, and be less emotionally reactive to things. You make better decisions and you can push forward faster. You can let stuff go when you need to. What's your relationship to fear? And, um, ha have you always had that ability to, have you always had a high EQ? and the ability to separate your emotions and think logically about stuff? Or is that something that's come along the journey? And I guess what's your advice around kind of managing fear in those situations and actually building that, that um, emotional response so that you're not just triggered by things and, and that you can move forward? 
Yeah, man, I think it comes back. I like sporting analogies. Like for me growing up, I always wanted to, you know, play rugby league. Um, And I remember when I was, you know, there's a couple of things in this. I remember when I was 12 years old, I wanted to make like a, a rep team. And the guy said, well, you can't pass left to right properly. So because of that, you know, like I was great right to left, left to right was not as good. And he's like, you can come back next year, uh, but you aren't going to be picked this year. And I remember, okay, cool. Now I've got a goal I've got to work on. And this whole off season, I worked on that, you know, passing strategy day after day after day, like, you know, hundreds of passes every single day. And I showed up next year and I got picked for the team. I played for state, you know, I played for emerging states for Australia. You know, I got picked up by the Raiders when I was 18 um, to, to be in their flex team. And then I got meningococcal, which is like, yeah. dude, like it's crazy. Like I, I contracted a, um, like a bacterial disease through drink bottles. And from that, I flatlined like three or four times. Um, you know, then I tried to come back, broke my neck and all the rest of it. And I got shoved in another direction was the health and fitness industry. And for me, like, I think most men, like, you know, you have a, a journey you're trying to get in life and you get slapped into another journey. And we are, you know, significance driven people, uh, men a lot are, um, especially in their twenties. And I think for, for, for males, it takes time to be going, okay, what is this really about? Um, and for me, it took that time for me to understand why am I doing the things I'm doing? And, you know, am I doing things for validation from like buying the cars or the watches or am I doing things for truly service? And when I understood the truly service path and, you know, the goal to be the best version of myself and that whole um, you know, Abraham Maslow says like, you know, you must be, you know, be what you can be in life. And that's your whole striving purpose. I think if we shifted to that and that sort of statement rolls through my head, um, all the time and then coming to the point of what you are asking is like, okay, frustration comes at me. One obstacles make me stronger. So that's a statement I always say, it's like, like obstacles make me stronger. It's like, I can't move away from the obstacle because this obstacle is placed in front of me right now for me to challenge me to step up to become the person I must be for the next evolution. I run away from this obstacle. I'm running away from the best version of myself. And I would, the gap between who I'm capable of being at 80 to 100 years old is going to ever increase further and further if I continue to run away from obstacles in life. So I must face every obstacle that comes in my way because that is challenging me to close that gap closer and closer. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, so, like you hear it all the time. It's like our biggest goal in life is to be on our deathbed and see that person who walking into that, you know, doctor's surgery or the, the hospital that you're laying in and you are a mirror image of the person that you were capable of being. The worst possible thing is that person walks in that room and you look like complete opposites. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, that's like memento more, right? Like we all are going to die. And I think you have to understand, like we're going to die. And every single day on this earth, I am challenged to be the best version of myself because if today, like if this is the last podcast I ever do, if this is the last day that I'm on this earth, I wanted to make today count. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make yesterday count. I wanted to make it count for my kids, my wife, my family, my business. And I think for me, like understanding that obstacles make me stronger, that I must step up to close the gap because what one can be, one must be. And I was like, dude, fear, like, you're just running away from the potential that is 
it's within you. And I think if we can flip it on its head like that, it's like, yeah, for sure. Don't like, you know, I hate spiders. I'm, I'm afraid of them. I'm not going to go sit in a, in a, a, <laughs> like a room with spiders. Like, but like for me, like I don't believe, okay. So maybe it's a limiting belief, but I don't believe my goal in life and my potential is around spiders. Okay. But like for me, my goal in life is to serve at a high level. For me, my goal in life, um, you know, I posted the other day is to, you know, show my kids and it shifted a lot with my kids um, is to, you know, be a role model for them, to show them anything is possible, to be the healthiest version of me so they don't have the excuses, you know, to guide them and help them fail forward, to be vulnerable for them so they understand that that truly is courageous as a male in this um, time. It's, it's like you need to be vulnerable to show that you have growth. And I think all of that um, is, allows us to face fear. And, you know, when the troubling circumstances come, I think Viktor Frankl said it best. It's like when we can no, no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm. Um, and, you know, like I think that's the biggest thing, guys. Like, you know, you can't change this situation in Victoria, but you can be challenged to change yourself or you can sit in the corner as a victim and blame everyone else, justify why you did fail and make excuses why you can't win. Or you can step up. You can be the hero's version of yourself and you can fight in the arena like a gladiator and you can fight to win. And if you get beaten, then just step up tomorrow and fight again because unless you truly are going to die, like you can step up tomorrow and you simply can go again. Love that, man. I love that analogy of like every time that you step away from fear, you're expanding that gap between you and your potential and at the end of the day when you when you look back and that's scary as fuck if you think about that that's going to motivate you to walk into the fear that's a really good framework well there's twenty thousand moments in a day right a moment is three seconds long um and if you actually have structured your day and this is the biggest thing for all humans actually live with a structure and it's like okay cool i wake up at you know 4 44 a.m you know for me this is when i walk this is when i meditate this is when i um journal this is when i'm with my kids like it's planned out this is where my deep work mm -hmm. time is this yep. is where my study is it's all structured out all the way through the day and now every single moment am i i'm stepping towards the best version of me so i'm stepping forward into growth or i'm retreating to safety Okay. And it's just step forward to growth, retreat to safety. If you don't have a structure, you are constantly living in safety and you're constantly moving away from the best version of yourself because you don't know what you could have been capable on that day. If you do have a structure now, it's like, fantastic. I can step forward into growth. It doesn't mean you do every three seconds or every 30 minutes, but you can go, cool. You can start to be consciously aware of things that could be holding you back. So if you go, what are the ants in my life? They're automatic negative thoughts. They're going through my head and I want to start to decrease them. It could be a habit over the next 30 days. And you might go, these are the three negative thoughts that I have. And when they come up, I'm going to trigger them to decrease them out of my life because I know in 31 days, if I can get rid of them, I'm going to be a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's just taking small steps to um, take away the things that are holding us back and move forward to the person we should be coming. Mm, yeah, I love it. I actually interviewed a guy called Mike Alsop a couple of weeks back. Uh, I don't know if you've, not, you've heard of him before, but he's a, he's a mountaineer and an adventurer. He's uh, summited Everest unguided. He ran seven marathons, seven continents, seven days. He survived a massive plane crash off the um, coast of Hawaii at night in like a three-meter swell. Just like 
he's just got these crazy stories and he's a guy that's just out there. He just, he just crushes everything he does. But his one thing, he's just like, what all I want people to understand is that you just need momentary courage. He's like, that's the phrase that I use all the time. He's like, people think I'm brave. People think I'm courageous. He's like, I'm shit scared of everything I do. He's like, I just need momentary courage because when you have momentary courage in that moment, you just have to be brave for like three seconds and make the decision, have the conversation, sign the paper. And he's like, and that creates the momentum towards following through. And I was like, wow, it's really good. That's a really good statement. I think like Mel Robbins talks about a similar sort of concept of that whole five, four, three, two, one, like get yeah. out of bed before you get to one, before the logical part of your brain kicks in and you can start to justify all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing something. You need to make the decision in the moment before you start to talk yourself out of making the decision. Exactly. And I think, dude, I'm going to actually use that momentary courage. I think. Yeah, man. Look him up. He's a, he's a really yeah. cool guy. Like he's, he's achieved some amazing stuff. He's a pilot um, with Air New Zealand, obviously, uh, currently not flying much, but just, you know, like some of the, if you sat down and had a beer with the guy and he told you his stories, you'd just think he's full of shit because <laughs> that's just like, you know, he's re- returned a stolen Yeti to the monks in Nepal. He's just done like, he's just out there living, man. He's a really cool guy. Talk to me about, um, a bit about the journey of starting RBT and just, you know, like people, I think, see you where you're at, um, and the content that you post and kind of where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. But too often with social media and stuff, we see the end result. We see the highlights real. We see the person who's successful and we compare up, uh, and think that we're not good enough or whatever. Talk to me about the startup phase, bro. Like getting that, that thing off the ground in those early stages, because, um, it's inspiring to know that it is where it is and that you've, you've had the success that you've had. But I think I find more inspiration in the, the nitty gritty, the, the trend, the stories of being in the trenches and getting stuff off the ground. So can you just give a bit of a backstory to like the growth of RBT and some of the lessons there? Yeah, man. Like I, I think for me, you know, I was working in a, in a big box gym and you know, I, I felt like I was great at what I did. I did all the courses to try and get the transformations and all the rest of it. And I truly wasn't serving, you know, I was serving about 22 clients at, at the time and that was really my capacity inside, you know, where I was working. Now I wanted to open something that served on a larger impact or a larger scale I didn't have the funds um, and I had to leave fitness first um, where I was at that time um, due to a few reasons. And I had like two months to open this gym and I always wanted to open a gym since I sort of started my own PT career. Um, I didn't have the cash and I sat down with, you know, everyone I possibly knew and I needed to get like $25,000 in to pay the bond and, and get it going. And I think, you know, my story at the start of RBT, it's not about um, having the resources, it's being resourceful, right? It's never a lack of resources. Um, So I think for me, I sat down with like 50 people. It was, it was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, all I needed, and my goal is I'm going to get 216 people in this gym. They're going to pay me $50 a week and I'm going to make 570,000. And I know those numbers because that was my first ever numbers that I know that yeah, I was nice. working towards, right? And everyone was saying no. And, and like the 51st person said yes. And I got that $25,000 and I, I couldn't pay rent at home and pay rent for the gym. And I moved into the gym with my dog, Hercules, who lives with, he's still around. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I moved into the gym and I couldn't then, I didn't have enough money to essentially get the equipment for the gym either. So, you know, I painted everything myself. I demolished the gym and I was in South Melbourne and, um, you know, it was pretty big for a first year, but, or, you know, it's like 700 square meters. So it was quite large, but I went to this guy, Simon, and he, I looked up like equipment suppliers and I was like, dude, you're new to the fitness equipment game. Um, you know, I'm opening a gym. Like I want to support you. Um, if you can support me. So instead of me, I can't get financing, uh, but instead let's write a contract. I'll pay you monthly 
installments um, over 12 months to buy this equipment off you. And if I miss a payment, you can just come and take the equipment off me. And, you know, we, he agreed to it. I was like, you know, okay, it's, again, it's being resourceful. So I got equipment. I could only fill out, you know, essentially a third of the gym to start with. The rest of it was like coming soon. But I started the gym and then, you know, I, you know to, to start with, I just hustled, right? It's just walking the streets, talking to people. I saw a video yesterday on YouTube. I got thousands of videos. And it was like me doing my first ever, hey, $1 for 28 days. Just let me change your life. And then if you want to stay, you can stay. And I started to grow up from that. Um, and then I remember, man, like after the first three months, like I, it was 12000 a month of revenue uh, to, uh, to, to pay the lease. I didn't have 12000 I wasn't there yet. I, would, I had to just pay the equipment for that month. And I was like, I don't have twelve k. I was like 14 days before I had to pay this rent. And I was like, everyone was going to, you know, you know, they said, don't open the gym. They said, why would you do it, man? You're making okay money as a PT. Why would you try and open a gym? That's crazy. I was like, everyone was going to be right. I was like, what can I do? that's going to bring people into my business. And this is when like the Groupons and the Spreets were quite yeah. large. So what can I do and put it on this side that's going to actually bring me in revenue that's not going to give me so many clients I can't even, you know, service them. And I'm staring, I'm inside where I do podcasts. There's an infrared sauna in front of me right now. And I was like, I went to this girl who trained with us. She was working for a company called Spreets. And I was like, I want to do an infrared sauna package. You get eight infrared saunas, normally 99 bucks, and we'll put it up there for $19. Um, she's like, you, you don't have it on your website. So I was like, oh, okay, hold on one second. So I, you know, whacked a couple of Google images on the website and I was like, look, here it is. So the next day I showed her and she was like, okay, we can do the deal. And I did for $19. And back then we took $15 worth of everything and they took $4 of it. And over the next 10 days, it was crazy, man. Um, they sold like over 8,000 of these things. It was, it, was, it was incredible. I have a screen capture somewhere. I have a screen capture of how many sold, but the end goal, the end sale was 19,000 of revenue from this infrared sauna. It was insane, man. <laughs> it was like three days, literally three days before I had to pay the rent, I got cut a check um, for this, this 15,000 because they took 4K and I took 15K. I didn't even own an infrared sauna. Right. And like on the voucher, I, I told them that it was, had to be used two weeks after they bought it. So I called up J&H saunas and I was like, man, like I need you express deliver me a sauna right now. So I bought a sauna for 2K. I paid 12K for my rent and $1,000 in my pocket and I was alive for another month. And Amazing. that was my first ever month um, of being inside RBT. The second month, I still didn't have enough money. Someone I worked with Fitness First, I borrowed $12,000. And I was, I was on the right trajectory. I borrowed $12,000 and I promised him I would pay, signed a contract. I promised him I would pay him back $24,000 in 12 weeks. Um, and it was like a huge ROI for him. <laughs> yeah. um, and if not, he could take my equipment. And I was like, shit, I don't own the equipment anyway. So have a fighting match for the other guy. And he signed a contract and I did end up paying him back. And that was how I paid my second month's rent. Um, and I was moving it forward. It was gaining momentum. And about seven months into the gym, man, like I was going pretty well. It was growing at the capacity and the rate that I wanted. And I was like, I need a mentor around me. I need someone to um, essentially help me move forward, to help me lift me up. To, I need to be around, you know, you are the sum of the five people. So I need another level to sit around to increase my belief and my capacity. So there was this guy in the States and he was doing, you know, whoever can rep my blog the best get wins a year of my mastermind. It was like 12,000 to be a part of his mastermind back then. It was like 2012. I was like, shit, I really need this. Like some of the people in his mastermind could really help me level up. 
and it was like 30 days he was doing this. People like, you know, in front of the Eiffel Tower holding his blog and all the rest of it. I was like, how am I going to compete? And it was like the last day. It was like a couple of hours before the end of his draw. I was like, what am I going to do? So I drove down, you know, a couple hundred meters from my, um, from my gym. And I got his website tattooed across the back of my shoulder. I got a tattoo <laughs> across the back of my shoulder with his website. I took a photo. I sent it into him. He's like, dude, you are absolutely crazy. I was like, dude, I just, I just got to win in business. So again, like it's, it's not a lack of, you know, resources, a lack of resourcefulness, right? So I won the mastermind. I flew to Vegas in August. I went to the first, you know, essentially meet up with them. I up leveled what was my capacity as a human being. And I kept moving forward and I just kept grinding forward. And then, you know, I, the first year we got to 500 K and, um, and that was just more word of mouth referrals, outreach, you know, being good at what you do, doing seminars and all the rest of it. And, you know, I need, knew I needed to learn Facebook ads. Um, I just moved out of my gym after the first year. I was, I, was, I was in the gym for the whole first year living there. And I sold my car to do my next mastermind, right? So I was like, I learned to learn Facebook ads. And I joined a Facebook ads mastermind. And then I started to focus on the online world and growing the gyms and all the rest of it. And that was my first year. It's just... Yeah, it's it's inspiring, man. That's, that's a cool story. It's just like absolute definition of burning the boats. Yeah, dude, you just do what you got to do. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen, right? And it's the same as now. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is like, you know, I, I, I just start again. And, you know, at the end of the day, guys, like if the worst thing, you know, and I, I was actually talking to Liv's dad. It's like, you know, this is happening to me and I'm 36, if I was 66 mm. and this was happening to me, yeah, it would be a lot more tiring. But I'm 36, man. Like, you know, I've been in this business, opened RBT nine years ago. Um, you know, I was 27. And, you know, for me to do this again at a rate that I, that I can do it now, it's like if, if I lose it all, you do it again before I'm 40. And mm. I'm like, you, you're still like you're at the start of your game. You still have your entrepreneur game. And I think, you know, so many people think, you know, the 20s and all the rest of it. It's like, oh, that 20 to 30, you're just learning stuff. (laughs) I've coached kids who are making like a million dollars a year at like 22 years old. And I was like, guys, you have so far ahead of you. Like I need you to pull back the ego, increase the humility, because if you don't, you're going to screw yourself up really badly. Mm. Um, But yeah, man, it's all a game. I think if you understand it's a game and um, business is not life or death, I think it's just like, cool. Like I just want to win more days than I lose and then I win the game. I love it. There's also something there though, where you obviously had, you obviously didn't give a fuck what people thought about you because yeah. that holds a lot of people back, man. Like even walking out and get like I did door to door sales. The first, the best thing that I, that ever happened to me was that I, when I was 18, I was going to go to university, ended up flying to Melbourne with my two best mates, ran out of money in the first month, couldn't pay my rent and had to go and do door to door sales. Ended up a year and a half door to door sales and learned all of those principles because there's no, there's no safety net, you know? And I just feel like, that's a key lesson that maybe particularly for people who are going into business now or the younger generation where you've got to not give a shit what people think about you in order to have that balls to the wall mentality. Oh dude, 100%. I think like for me, I think, you know, now with Facebook ads and social media marketing and the rest of it, everyone is so scared to actually reach out. It's like, Oh, the leads aren't coming in. Like my business isn't working. I'm not growing. I was like, how many people have you gone and talked to on the yeah, street? How many coffees? Have you? Like, how many exactly. connections have you made? I was like, I was like, you're waiting for people to come to you and people 
It's like, instead of just waiting for, you know, your ads to work, like one, just start actually helping people have that strategy of preeminence. Like Jay Abraham would say, it's like serve your market better than anyone else is serving them right now. And that doesn't mean a Facebook ad is going to work. It means you've got to go actually and have the conversation. You've got to actually change the lives. I was living in Canada before I came back and I was working at a company called Good Life and they kicked me out. I was doing a, I was working as a fitness manager there and I was work and I was doing an outdoor boot camp with like six people and they walked me into the room like, mate, um, we're going to have to let you go. I was like, why? And they're like, oh, you're running a competing business. I was like, you have, a, you have 180 gyms. I have six people I'm doing in the mornings, like in a park. I was like, I appreciate your, you think my ambition is high, but I'm not here to compete with you. Uh, but anyway, like, so I had like, I had like, you know, four weeks essentially them to pay me out. And, um, you know, so I was like three weeks, I needed to get this boot camp to 100K to, you know, pay my bills. And for me, I was like, okay, I was doing a female-only boot camp. I was living in Toronto. I knew that I need to get 40 people on the books to pay me 200 bucks a month. And I had like six females there at the moment. So what I did is I walked into the mall. I walked into the Burlington Mall and I walked up to females, okay? And I was like, where are females in the mall? And over a space of five days, I walked, to four, walked up to 400 females. And I was like, can I ask you three questions? And if you answer these three questions, you win two weeks of personal training. Now, this is highly illegal, but you do what you you can't just more of averages, man. <laughs> yeah, you just you can't walk up to people in a mall and start you know asking them questions. But you know, you do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Three hundred females told me to get lost. Mm. They literally like get away from me, you crazy Australian man. I don't <laughs> want to talk to you or answer your stupid questions. Uh, but a hundred of them said yes, and I actually got kicked out of one of the malls on day three, and I went to the next mall and I just started doing it there. But I had to get my four hundred to get my hundred to get my. I, I had eighty people show up, and I kept about forty of them. And then within twenty-one days, I made a hundred thousand dollar boot camp. We were doing eight thousand a month recurring revenue. And I was like, for me, it's just like you do what you got to do. Mm. And you know, if you're afraid and it's like changing your mindset with sales instead of sales, it's service. Okay. So if totally. in this conversation with me and that person, okay, my goal is not to sell them. My goal is to serve them better than anyone else has ever served them and to help them realize that where they are versus where they want to be, I am the best vehicle to get them there. Mm. And that is it. And if it's not the best fit, then I will tell them also it's not the best fit. Mm. And I'll give them resources or direction to someone who is the best fit. But I can never get rejected if my whole goal is to serve someone. serve someone, exactly, man. It's also one of those things where if you're good at what you do and you can help someone get from A to B and you don't go out and sell with that sort of determination uh, and, you know, tenacity, you're doing them a massive disservice. Right, 100%. You know, but that, I guess that's that sales mentality, man. It's like I relate to a lot of that stuff. I remember getting kicked out of a lot of shopping malls in Melbourne because, <laughs> you know, you could go and knock on 150 doors in eight hours or you could go to the mall when there's 150 people in the first hour, you know. so Exactly. Mate, just, just put in the graft, right? Just hustle it out. Yeah, there, there's, there's, I think with Facebook ads and with online marketing and the ability to have um, evergreen stuff and automation and, there is that that does go missing now, particularly if people are new to it at the moment. It's like there's and you know everyone's selling the six step formula to a million dollars in six months, and um, I think expectations are way out of whack. Like I do digital marketing stuff with people as well, and I think like people are only seeing 
the coach who went and did a $80,000 a month once and then posted about it and shared it up online. But like, at least it's $80,000 a month for 12 months. It doesn't fucking count. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the expectations are, are way off in the market. And I think people see that and then believe that they can have that without going out and doing the grind, without building the partnerships, without talking face to face with people. And, and they want all the heavy lifting done for them a lot of the time. Well, I think like the, the biggest problem is people want the money and they don't want the work. Um, totally. And you know, the, the amount of money you make is in direct correlation to the amount of service you are providing to the marketplace. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, and you can only show, sell shit once. So if you have a shitty product, <laughs> you're only going to, you're going to be in business and then out of business really fast. And if you aren't providing value to the, the marketplace, you might have a big month and then the rest of your months are going to be really low because you had the unique mechanism that worked really fast once and then people realized it was actually quite shit. And then you have a bad rep and you aren't in business for a long time. So for yourself, it's like, cool, why aren't I making the money I'm making in business? It's like, well, you know, show me your, your, your Facebook, show me your Instagram, show me your LinkedIn, you know, show me your ads, show me your email list, like how much content you're actually providing. Oh, I'm too busy to do content. I was like, okay, you're too busy to make money then because that's your problem. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you say that before, actually. Uh, it com everything comes back to the, the quality of your life comes back to the quality of questions you're willing to ask yourself. Do. That's, and that's the truth, man. Like, you know, if you, you ask, ask shitty questions, you're going to get shitty answers. Mm. And it's like, you know, I, I think we need to journal as human beings on actual questions that matter on a daily basis because mm. Every single one of us has the answer to our questions in our own mind. Yeah, we just don't want to know it. <laughs> we don't, one, we probably don't like, like the answer that <laughs> we're going to tell ourselves. Or two, we think there's an easier way. And it's like, yeah, for sure, you want to model success. If there's someone in your industry doing what you want to do, then the, the least path of resistance is to walk in the, the footprints that's already been pressed down in, in the sand, right? So you want to model that success and follow that pathway. There's all everything that you want out there for anyone listening has probably been achieved. Totally. So you want to find someone who's achieved it, model their success, and you'll get there so much faster. But that does, still doesn't mean you don't you don't have to do the work. You still have to do the work. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> hey, talk like <clears throat> along that journey uh, from when you're sleeping in RV in your first gym with your dog to building those up. I take it there's been times where you've have you have you ever seriously considered chucking it in? Have there been times that have had you on your knees where you've been like, I'm I'm seriously considering backing out of this, or has it always just been um, you've been so driven to do it? Uh, I nearly closed RBT to move to the UK because Liv said she was moving to the UK in my life. <laughs> um, and nothing to do with business. <laughs> so like me and Liv weren't even dating. She's like, I'm moving to the UK. I dropped her off at the airport. We we're best friends. And I was like, I actually, I, I can't let you leave. Like I need you to be in my life. And you know, she left, she hopped on the plane. Like I broke down and it's like, you know, I was like, I'll move to the UK. I'll close the gyms that we have. I was like four at that time or three gyms at that time. I will just start again because having you in my life is, is more important than having gyms or money in my life. And, you know, within four weeks, I actually went to London and I stayed there for three weeks with her. And I was like, it solidified. I was like the fact that like nothing, no money is worth more than my relationship with her. Um, and I think, you know, for me, like, and no money, like 
is worth more than my relationship with my kids. And for sure, we could be running at a much faster trajectory um, than we are if I didn't focus on my kids as much as I do. But that's not who the best version of me is. Mm. When, I, you know, when I die, it's not going to be, oh, he's a, a great person because the amount of money he has in his bank is like, my legacy is going to be through my children and my impact to everyone else while I'm here on this earth. So I think, you know, I did throw in a business. Um, I went away from coaching fit pros um, because of a lack of, because of ego. No, was it ego Uh, or validation? Um, It would have been validation. I was thinking about this this morning on a run, actually. Um, I was like, I was running this morning. I was like looking at all the money that I've lost over the years because of the person that I was Um, and (laughs) not the person that I am. And like, for me, like I've always had this like need for significance and validation, you know, in my earlier years, because it's like, Oh, you're just the gym guy or you're just the PT or you're just this. And it was this external forces. People not like for me, I was thinking you aren't seeing me what my potential in life is. And I was worried about what they were saying. And I was coaching fit bros and you know, in our, our coaching business and I'm back coaching fit pros now. Um, and you know, we were doing about two and a half, $3 million a year, um, you know, it was in that ballpark and, you know, it was just me and Liv run the business. We had like two other team members on there who were traveling the world whilst we got the gyms going on as well. Huge profit, fantastic. Um, you know, and I was sitting in London one morning and I said to Liv, I was like, we're shutting this down. And, you know, Liv knows when she fights me a lot on things because <laughs> challenges me to be better. Uh, but she knew that if she didn't let me do this, I would have regretted um, the other side. The grass would have always been greener. So I think she is a much smarter person than me. Um, and she, she, like she is, she is she's amazing. Um, and she said, okay, no worries, we'll, we'll shut it down. And she's my business partner and everything. And we shut down the $2.5 million business overnight. I walked away from it and I started coaching um, just businesses in Australia. And I, I sort of made the, the, I validated the reason or justified the reason because I didn't want to travel anymore because we had Jackson and he was like six months old. He'd been into like 20 countries already. <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy. I was doing like masterminds and he would just sit in the corner of the room and um, it was cool. But like, I was like, no, nah, I justify it. I want to focus on Australia. Only do um, seminars internally so we don't have to travel as much. And in the next six months, we grew a coaching business in Australia um, to do about one and a half mil. And we we're just coaching all business. I was coaching dentists, accountants, candy store around the corner. Like <laughs> I was we're coaching, like literally it was crazy. And I was like, you know, for me, I was coaching these businesses and I was like, coaching's coaching. And I was like, why? Like, and I was actually frustrating me more because they were like, dude, you don't own a financial planning firm. And they would start to question. And like, we've got, got a lot of people, great results, but they would question and I would have to try and work harder because I don't own, you know, a hundred yeah, yeah, different sure. businesses. Yeah. And I was like, I was doing that for just, we did, had that business for about two years. And after the first year, I was like, man, like I said to live, I actually don't like this. Um, and you're also passionate as hell about the fitness industry. Dude, hundred percent. So it's was like, I, I was like, I did this because external validation for people to go, Oh, he can actually do anything. Yeah, right. Um, and that also, I was like, okay, because it was that need for significance. I was like, man, like, shit, I need to get over myself and I need to stop caring about what people think. 
Um, so that was one thing that like I shut down a two and a half million dollar business overnight and I lost mm. a lot of revenue for it. And we picked back up the coaching business and it got back up to, you know, it's doing pretty well now, but it's like, I shifted industries. I shifted back, you know, a couple of years later and it's like, okay, cool. That's a lesson learned. I lost a couple of million. Um, I opened up a couple of gyms in the U S and in Sydney and I did it because I had too much ego and like they went well and we sold them and you know, I actually lost a fair bit of money. Um, when I say where they went well, they got to capacity, but to get them to capacity, it cost me a lot more money and a lot more yeah, travel yeah. and a lot more time than it should have. So I had this ego where I was like, I can do anything. Um, and like, I believe you can, but what's the sacrifice you're willing to pay? Totally, yeah. Um, and you know, the sacrifice for me to keep pushing those gyms in Detroit was not the price I was willing to pay. Yeah. And it's like, I think we weigh up everything. I was like, okay, cool. Like you want to transform that body. You want to grow that business. This is the price you need to pay. You're willing to pay the price. Mm. And that's step one. And if you say, no, I'm not willing to pay that price. It's like, okay, do not go down this route. Mm. Okay. That's the importance of having those core values though, right? Because if you don't have those core values to measure against when you're making decisions, you you're just flying blind. Why are you doing it, right? So it's like I lost hundreds of thousands in the US. I lost, you know, in the in the New South Wales, like the core group of our gyms were in Victoria and um, in Perth. And I was like, oh, I'll start opening them up in Sydney. And I didn't have someone who was living in Sydney to be the regional manager there. And so I was like having to fly someone up and back, up and back constantly. And when there was fires and shit hit the fan and, you know, you don't have someone there like nurturing a culture, um, then, you know, one person can pull a team down, then you lose a team. I was like, holy shit. So we ended up closing both of those gyms because I was like, okay, cool. Like I can tell myself and I can remind myself I can do anything. And because you can as human beings, like we can do anything, but what is the best choice? What is the least path of resistance? Was it to open gyms in America and Sydney? No. Like it was to open more gyms in Melbourne. <laughs> like, cause I can drive 20 minutes if I need to, or my team and my regional managers are here. I was like, stop making decisions to make business harder than it should be. <laughs> That's a key one. <laughs> <laughs> How long does it take you to move on from those failures and those closures? Is that something that you, by that stage, you already just, had that mentality where failure was feedback or was that hard to move on from? Um, not like, like I fight for things. Um, like Cause, I do, cause like, you can hang on too long, right? Like you're stubborn this. I know in businesses in the past that have failed, yeah. I spent a year, a year and a half too long on it. And had I have been able to release it and let go move on, I would have, you know, propelled myself forward far quicker. Yeah. And, and again, like I, I, I tell myself I've done these stupid things so I can help the people I coach now. Um, so they don't do the stupid things that I did. Um, and that makes me feel a bit better at night. Um, but like, like I held on to a gym in the Gold Coast. I did end up selling it. Um, but I held on to a gym in the Gold Coast four years too long. Mm. I was like, I can make it better. I can make it better. And then I ended up opening gyms in Sydney, like two years later. I was like, so sometimes we just continue to do stupid things and we'll continue. It's like, as long as we're continuing to, you know, as long as we're willing to continue to do stupid things, we're going to get shit feedback. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like, and I was like, I did, how long are you going to do this? It's like, I'm hundred percent not the smartest person in the room. Um, I do stupid things all the time, but I'm a relentless in my uh, focus and discipline to make sure that I end up winning. So it's like people are smarter. People, you know, essentially will get places faster than me. But, you know, for me, cool. Like Gold Coast, cool. Lost a couple hundred thousand. Um, it took me three times to learn the lesson to <laughs> simplify shit. Yeah. Um, it's like, but I learned it now. And I was like, okay, cool. 
And also, it's like I don't need to buy fancy watches and cars anymore. Put money back into other things to make a better passive income. I don't need to make business harder and make and like essentially, you know, shoot myself in the foot trying to fly all over the world. Like I don't need to do that. I don't need to be validated from other people to let me know I'm a success or not, or what my perception of them thinking I'm a success. Like I don't need that. All I need is like me and my own validation that I'm doing the work to be the best version of me. How much of a role have kids played in that? Because I don't have kids myself, but when you sort of, like you said, in your 20s, particularly male, 20s to 30s, you got this chip, you want to improve everything, and you're often doing stuff for the wrong reasons. But I'm assuming that as soon as kids come along, those values and those core, core things that you're making your decisions off become very clear pretty quick. Yeah, I think kids for me, they really helped my time management um, and they helped decrease my ego because now I have different constraints. Um, so it's like you have constraints on your time management, you have constraints on what you are capable of doing in a week. Um, so all of a sudden these constraints put me in. So it made me make better decisions. Um, so sometimes we make decisions because we don't have constraints, so we can do anything we want. So sometimes we just make stupid ass decisions because we like, if we, if it takes longer or if we have to work longer, it's like, eh, okay. Um, but with kids, it's like, now you start to really look at the decision and it's like with the constraints I have in my life, okay, what can I do? And this, what this done has done with my goal setting now, it really added a, a great new variable to it. So when I make a goal now, I put constraints on the goal. So it's like, Hey, we want to, you know, grow, you know, we want to grow to, uh, um, you know, another hundred coaching clients, and we only uh, can spend $30,000 a month on marketing um, over the next six months. So the constraint is there's one time limit constraint two only $30,000 a month in marketing, right? Constraint. That's like, okay, fantastic. Now within those constraints, I need to go cool. Do I need a self liquidating offer on the front end so I can spend more on marketing, but you know, bring revenue in to actually self liquidate that. Um, do I like the leads after play? So it's like, I'll put constraints on everything with my goals now because you know, that's added a better variable. So I'm more focused on what I'm doing. And kids, man, like kids just propelled me to reevaluate my values as a human being, my identity as a human being. They forced me to go from, you know, probably 1.0 to 2.0 version of me. Um, They increased my patience. Um, So it's (laughs) like, like, dude, like you have to have more patience as a dad. Like, you know, it's like for me, like I, you know, my, the, the other Victor Frankl quote, right. It's like expand the gap between stimulus and response. And in that, that gap, you'll find, okay, the right answer. And it's like, that's not his quote, but that's essentially the, the premise yeah, of it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they allowed me to go, okay, stimulus, something happening in my life, expand the gap. Instead of choosing the response that used to be there, expand the gap, breathe in for like six seconds, breathe out for four seconds, move from fight or flight to pause and plan, choose a better quality emotion that serves you at a higher purpose, which will allow you to choose a better quality action, which will take you towards what you're capable of being. And I think that's, you know, kids, man, like they're amazing in so many ways. Uh, you know, not only for the fact that, you know, they give you so much joy, but they make you be better. Yeah the ultimate personal development course <laughs> but no, so, business yeah exactly and then it cost you like a million dollars the course over the 18 years <laughs> what's your definition of success for yourself now then um my my definition of success like and i think 
you know, it will always ever change, right? Um, I think I have identities in different areas of my life, but my definition of success is to um, do the things I want to do when I want to do them um, at the way I want to do them. So it's like, you know, for me, it's like, okay, you know, I love waking up early and going for a run because of how it makes me feel. I love not having to work if I don't want to work because I want to be with the kids. I love going to travel and, you know, go to that holiday and or because I want to go on to stay at that place because I want to do that. And I think we, you know, like when I first started out, it was like very um, hedonistic goals. Um, so it's like, and with hedon, like with these um, extrinsic goals, we end up having a hedonistic adaptation to it. So you have high highs, low lows. Mm. So as soon as you buy the Audi R8, you're like, oh, now what? And yeah. we're constantly chasing the high. Whereas I've moved to into a more intrinsic um, based goals, which is like becoming the best version of me, and that's success, man. I think if we shift towards that, there's a less of a hedonistic adaptation to success. There's a more of a even flow state with our energy and our happiness. And that's all we want in life. And, you know, like for sure, having a nice car and, you know, going on holidays is cool, but what's the point of doing it if you feel like shit and (laughs) you're unfulfilled? The ultimate failure. Yeah. What about one thing I've always been curious um, about and particularly with people like yourself, uh, you have such a high standard for yourself and you're so disciplined and you are a big thinker. You've got big goals. You're ambitious. What's the balance between striving and pushing yourself hard and having a really high standard and being kind to yourself at the same time? Um, It's interesting. Um, Like, so for me, like after we had four gyms, right? Like I was in a very, poor place um, mentally um, because I am a um, like an achievement based person right so I'll constantly achieve the next goal I think this is so many people in business and I would wake up I, I would wake up every single day feeling like I was a failure um, and then that became a negative spiral and I would start eating poorly I put on weight and I started feeling sorry for myself and I became a bit of a victim for a little while there um, which obviously sucks like you know and being a victim you know, you're in a, no, no good choices happen. No, it's a spiral. Yeah, dude. So, but the problem was, it's like when I had one gym, I wanted four. And before I got four, I wanted eight. And when I got, before I got eight, I wanted 12. And before I got 12, I wanted 20. And I kept moving the goalposts just before I got to them. And then I was constantly chasing and never truly achieving. And then I was like, I constantly felt like I was sucked. Um, until I was like, I go, goals are great but reflection is better. Mm. <laughs> so like what I do now is we reflect every 90 days and it's like, cool, we're striving towards a target and I actually miss tar- more targets than I hit. Yeah. Like I miss so many targets, man, um, because I set such high bars, but I set a high bar and I miss a target. Then it's like, I go probably better than what I would have done if I hit a low target. Totally. But for me, I sit back, I look over my shoulder and it's like, dude, like, look what you've done. You've done X webinars. Look what you've done. You've done X posts. Look what you've done. You've done X sales. You've done X conversations. How many lives have you changed? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got these testimonials. And it's like, I look back and I was like, dude, this is a good quarter. And I yeah. do that every single year. And that's where I get my fulfillment. I get my fulfillment looking backwards, not forwards. Yeah, I um, like that. I think if we don't do that, we're constantly chasing goals and your goals are like the horizon. If you're running towards it, you never get there 
right? Like it was like the sunset, whatever it is, right? The goalposts just constantly shift. Yeah. And you can never get there. So you're constantly, you're obviously going to feel unfulfilled. You're obviously going to feel like shit. So if we don't reflect, we can, we, it's harder to be fulfilled as a human being. So I think that is one of the most crucial things of someone who understands or if they are an achiever. Um, and dude, like I'll, I'll look and I'll be, I'm a, I'm a critical person um, upon myself. Um, but I want to set high standards on myself. So it's like, and I'll, I'll get down on myself, but it's like, I won't get down myself. It's like, you're not good enough. I'll get my down myself. It's like, you can do better. Mm. Like, you know what you're capable of. So step up to the plate. And I have this internal dialogue going through my head, like, you know, like three days out of like six, I don't want to train each week. Um, especially at the moment I'm locked in my house, like shit, so like, you know, five kilometer radius is all the rest of it in Victoria. Um, but like, for me, it's like, okay, cool. There's like this person on my shoulder, which is the person who was the victim. His name is Oscar. Um, and I, I've named him. Um, and there's the hero's version of me. Right. And the person like, you know, that, that's another story. It's like the, the wolf you listen to is the one that you end up following. Right. But it's like, for me, like, everyone has a negative person on their shoulder. Everyone has a, a less disciplined version. It's like, oh, just watch another episode of Netflix. Don't go to bed net yet. Or it's like, oh, just lay down on the weekend. Or, oh, you've done enough. And it's like, the more you listen to that person, the less you're going to achieve in life. And for me, like, I want to impact as many people as possible. It's like, oh, you're tired. Don't play with the kids. They don't need to go to the park. You took them yesterday. It's like, no, like, my kids deserve me to take them to the park. Like, like my wife deserves me to to you know be the best me for her like i think you know we need to shift out the person who tells um, ourselves to calm down and relax and settle and all the rest and it's like there's already enough you know mediocre people in the world i don't want to be one of them yeah it's like when you think about all the people that inspire you if you if you wrote down a list of everyone who's inspired you who's done great things in the world and whatever field that you really look up to every single one of them was unbalanced and obsessed Dude, I am a. I, I was like, I was um, cleaning the driveway on the weekend. It was like we got a bit of property. I had to mow the lawns and the rest of it. And I was like out there, like with a um, blower for like two hours. And it's like it's like literally lives laughing at me. I was like, baby, you you knew you married an obsessed human being. <laughs> I was like, I can't start something and not finish something like that. It's like you know, you, I will do it until it's dark if I start that that the the project. So it's like I think anything worth anything in life requires obsession. The only problem is is we confuse obsession and discipline. You know, things that are great that society, the mediocre, mediocre society sees as ideal, they say that's discipline. Whereas the things that they don't see as the norm, they call obsessed. So, you know, if you're saving for a house and you saved $400 a week, every week for three years, it's like, oh my gosh, you were so disciplined. You didn't go out and have the dinners or go on the holidays. Like, congratulations. Oh my gosh. Um, whereas like, if it's not the norm, um, to build a business, starting it's a like, business, yeah, it's like, becoming an athlete, whatever. Yeah. And then there's like, why are you so obsessed? Like take a weekend off. Like, what are you doing? I was like, dude, just because it's not the norm to you, it's, it is the norm to me. So I am disciplined. I'm not obsessed. If you want to call me obsessed, most definitely I am obsessed with being the best version of myself. Yeah. Okay. You can throw that in my face every day of the week and I'll take it on board. 
Yeah, I love it, man. I love your attitude. And it's always, it's always um, made me laugh how we celebrate someone going and getting a million dollars in debt to buy their first home. But when someone borrows 50 grand to start their first business, they're an absolute idiot. You know, like I've, <laughs> I've always battled with that. Well, I, I believe, and I'm sure you do too, that adversity shapes you and your adversities actually end up becoming your biggest advantages in life. They're some of the best lessons. If you were to draw on a couple of adversities in your life that have shaped you, what would they be? Yeah, man. I think the number one adversity when I was in uh, when I was twelve and didn't get picked for the sporting team, and I got the coaches award this year. That year, it's like, <laughs> it's like I was like, "Am I that kid?" I was like twelve years old. I was like, "I am never getting a coaches award again." And I got the best of first that next year. And then when I was eighteen, I got meningococcal and I got thrown on a different pathway. And I was like, "Shit!" Like, um, time is limited. Um, that also shaped me when I was 17, like I found my dad passed away. Um, like he fell off the third story of his balcony. I found him and I was like, he was 57. And I was like, shit, time flies fast. And I was like, you know, we, we, again, memento mori, right? We don't know when our last day is. Um, when I was you know, 27 and I opened up RBT, um, and understanding that, you know, how dreams can come true. You just have to put in the work like that shaped me. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, for us, it's like the, just the little things. It's not even like, sometimes it's the big things that shape us. Sometimes the little things, it's like the gun to the head scenario. I'm going to shoot you in seven days unless you pay me 20 K. I was like, cool. <laughs> I realized I can make 20,000 a week. It happens all the time. I remember when I was like 14 working for a hundred dollars, uh, for a day digging for my football coach, like digging trenches. I remember making $20 on a Saturday working like for house chores for my mom. Like I thought it was the most amazing thing to make $20 on a Saturday. I was like, this is amazing. And I was like 14. I was like making a hundred dollars in a day. Like I'm a millionaire. Um, I was like, but then you like you open your business. And like me and Liv just did a couple of strategy calls and we did $115,000 in a day. Um, and I was like, you, you, your standards just keep shifting in life. Yeah. Um, and, what, and as the new norm becomes a new norm, like that's the real thing that shapes you. It's like, same as like if you're overweight, right? That you, whatever you're familiar with and you, you'll never go back. So it's like, I think, you know, if you, if I slapped 15 kilos on someone, it's like, say you're 60 kilos, I put 15 kilos on you, all of a sudden you're 75 kilos. You would try and get that weight off as fast as you can because you're not familiar with it. Like mm. what the hell just happened to me? Um, but if I gave you a kilo a year over the next 15 years, you just slowly become overweight and you're familiar with that new weight and you, know, you probably continue to buy new clothes each year. And it's like, just, that's just society. You just adapt. Eh? Yeah. So I think it's like, you know, we have to be, we have to be very wary as human beings at, at the slow slope of mediocrity um, or the slow decline of mediocrity if we allow it to take over our lives. Mm, I like that, man. Hey, I just want to acknowledge you for a moment and want to be respectful of your time. I know that we're sort of, uh, I could talk to you for the next three hours. There's so much to cover off, but I just really admire your attitude. And out of everything that stands out, obviously the person you are, the way you show up for your family and, and for the people around you, but your your ability to walk the walk and just burn the boats and just go in, like hearing the stories of how you built up, um, the gyms up and some of the failures that you've had and the situations, even chasing Liv over to London and things like that. You're a guy that just does what you say you're going to do and, you, and you're willing to, 
to burn the boats, man. And I think that's hugely inspirational. So uh, just want to acknowledge you and thank you for giving up your time because I really appreciate it. There's so much value on this podcast. Um, I hope that everyone who checks it out, it's Travis Jones Entrepreneur on Instagram. I'm sure if you type Travis Jones in anywhere, you're going to come up online. You're a pretty well-known guy. Um, just to close off, I guess, um, what does this, the name of this podcast is the Life Livers Academy. And it's about um, introducing people to the mindsets, ideas, and people to go out there and pursue your dreams and live life to the fullest. What does it mean to you to live life to the fullest? Um, to live life to the fullest is to understand uh, that we have, if we choose to have, unlimited potential. And if you look out to the horizon and understand that the best version of you is, starts with the first step, and you just have to keep stepping towards that person. And if you trip and you stumble, you simply get back up and you never quit. I think that's, that's living life, right? Like I think, you know, so many of us place other people's limiting beliefs on our own lives. And that is the most harmful thing that society is currently facing. It's not your dreams that are holding you back. It's what society says about your dreams, what society says is possible for your dreams. And, you know, often the closest people to us say about your dreams. So I would say, like, focus on you and doing the things that make you feel like you're living life at the best level and just take it one step at a time and never stop. Inspiring stuff, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation myself and I appreciate your time, bro. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate being on here. There you have it, guys. That was the interview with Travis Jones. Now, if you're entrepreneurial in any way, you will have enjoyed that episode. There was so much in there. Uh, obviously, just an incredibly driven guy. No excuses. Just get it done regardless. Uh, pretty inspiring, particularly hearing about how he's built RBT up to what it is today uh, and some of the other business ventures that he's involved in. I love the way that he's just honest in his sharing uh, and his evaluation of things he's done well and things he hasn't done well. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved having that conversation with Travis. If you did find value in it, please share it out with anyone that you think would find value in that episode. Uh, and as always, give us a rating or a review if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out as that helps us find new listeners and reach new ears. Uh, and every rating, every review, every share on social media is really appreciated. So uh, if you want to learn more about Travis, you can look him up. It's at Travis Jones Entrepreneur on instagram uh, or rbt gyms and he's doing some great work he produces a truckload of content uh, adds a lot of value to the marketplace so if you're in business you're looking to grow a business you're looking to improve uh, some of the stuff he talked about around mindset and things like that he's producing a lot of that content on a daily basis so be sure to check him out uh, and as always we'll see you in the next episode